Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. Hey folks, welcome to this week's CISO Talk podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe right now to the CISO Talk podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, turn on notification. You'll be notified every time we go live right here on the show. I'm donning the Paisley. You guys have voted. You guys won. So go out and support the Wounded Warrior Project and all the brave men and women that are recovering from PTSD and other critical injuries. The Wounded Warrior Project does an amazing job. Every $150 donated to this cause go directly to the Wounded Warrior Project, every single dollar. You get to see me in more awkward paisleys as the price goes up. Uh, Once we reach our $5,000 goal, there will be a paisley that none of you will ever want to see me wear ever again. Link is below in the show notes. Go and and donate to that amazing cause. I've got an awesome episode coming up for you guys today. I've been talking about it for a few weeks. Ron Green, Robin BNF, you're going to be joining me here in just a moment as we give you a highlight into the preview of our fireside chat that will be available on Tuesday for the Global Cyber Fintech Conference that I will be co-hosting with my awesome Robin Bianafi, you guys are going to love it. So you can go register right now for your free virtual pass. If you want to be in person in your CIO or CISO, please reach out to me or Robin and we'll get you your free pass as well. And without further ado, why bore you with anything else? You guys want to hear from the people. So uh, here we go. Let's kick it off. From the Cyber Hub Bunker in studio, you're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit. Just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, folks, welcome, Ron. Welcome, Robin. How are you folks doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I've got wonderful weather and and uh, great sunshine. And I'm sitting in the office in front of another call. <laughs> Awesome. Ron, welcome to the Sysa Talk Podcast. How you doing? James, thanks for having me here. Um, we got great weather too. We had snow on Tuesday, but we're, we're good today. Yep. It's April. And what, what is it? April showers bring May flowers? Yeah, it's it going to rain right? all day on Saturday. It's, so yeah. That's a, a true statement. That is a very, very true statement. But it's not raining next Tuesday. It's not raining next Tuesday when we do the Cyber FinTech Challenge. And even if it was, we've got an awesome, beautiful, socially distanced, responsible facility. We want to see people in person. I can't wait to hug some of the people that are going to be there. Just Well, you know. 
I'm vaccinated. It was amazing. We thought we were going to get a majority of the people wanting to join virtually, and we've got the majority of the people coming here in person. So we're taking some extra precautions just because of that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, Ron. We wish you could be with us so you can uh, break bread. And you know, I, I was going to bring a really nice bottle of bourbon, but it'll have to wait for Cyber Week Georgia in September, uh, and then you'll come down in a nice, expensive bottle of bourbon. I was going to put Ron in a golf cart with me and Sam and Ken, and we were going to go around the golf course and and try to put the ball a couple of times and and maybe have a little drink on the ninth type of stuff. We, we should we should do the drinking before the driving. We can, we can do that. Cart. See how that works out. <laughs> so let's get right into today's show. So I'll start off with Robin. Um, Robin, the trailblazer that you are. For our CISA Talk audience who may have who may have never seen you on the stuff that you and I have done on Tech Corner on the CyberHub podcast, why don't you give our audience a little bit of background of how you got started and a little bit about what you're doing today? Well, I started my career at AT&T, and I was working with um, an up-and-coming at the time. His name was Ed Amoroso. So I was the individual that went all over the company disturbing and disrupting and automating and uh, Ed was making sure I was uh, keeping safe and sound. <laughs> I'd call Ed up on the phone every now and then and say, okay, I'm getting ready to break this again. Am I going to get in trouble? He said, well, our policies don't say you can do that. I said, well, can you write a new policy? I said, because I think the one you've got in the book is old. <laughs> so it's like, uh, so I grew up in uh, Bell Labs operations and uh, writing uh, critical system software for high-end machines and networks. They went to BlackBerry and then went to Samsung. That is a, a journey. I, when, you know, like I was telling before we started recording, when people ask me how to describe Robin, I say trailblazer. And 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 that's true to the, that you're true to the word because today you're at Atlanta Tech Park, you're helping companies accelerate their growth tremendously and you're just leading by example. You're leading by doing. And not by just uh, talking about it, which is a yeah. The best way to get anything to if you want to you want to change something, you have to get involved. You have to be on the ground with it. And I looked at uh, what I was doing with Samsung and was out in Silicon Valley, and I told my Samsung buddies, I said, I need to get back home. I said, I, I see 97 tech companies that are up and coming, and there's only um, there's two women in the leadership of those 97 companies and only one person of color. I said, so here, I feel like I'm back 30 something years ago at my engineering class. I said, I better go do something different because nothing's changed when it looks, when you think of new founders and people that are disrupting our space, there's a whole overlooked population that's not getting uh, the right time and coaching and or funding. And so opening Atlanta Tech Park allows me to bring founders of all different nationalities to the table. And uh, I coach and uh, they grow and accelerate. And hopefully I try to open doors to give them opportunities to prove their new technology into the space or help a new company with disrupting maybe one of their channels. So it's, it's a lot of fun every day. Indeed. Ron, let's bring you here front and center. Give our audience a little background as to uh, how you landed the uh, most exquisite role of chief security officer at MasterCard. Sure, happy to. <laughs> uh, so I, my career starts, uh, graduated from West Point, 
went into the army. I went into the army as an air defender, but they gave me a communications platoon. And this is where, you know, getting deep into IT started because in, in working with my communication platoon, I had to understand how uh, data packets flowed across all the channels, you know, two wires, tax sat, all that stuff. Uh, from the army, I joined uh, the US Secret Service um, and the, at the Secret Service, um, I did everything that you expect an agent to do. But one of the things that um, I had when I got to my field office in Phoenix is uh, all of the other agents had degrees in criminal engineering, uh, criminal uh, justice, and I had a degree in engineering. And uh, when we would seize computers, they would look at me and say, do something. <laughs> uh, so, so I would do stuff. And then uh, headquarters found out that I was doing stuff and they decided to, you know, hey, Ron, uh, we're starting this program where we train, actually train people on how to do stuff. Uh, do you want to be a part of that? And that's what I, that's when I got, they call it the electronic crime special Task agent Force, yeah. program. Uh, so after, uh, after the secret service, I had a great time in the secret service, but I had uh, three kids at that the point in time that I left and like, the Secret Service is a job that you travel a lot, and I wasn't always around, so uh, I had to get a, a real job. Um, and I started with uh, Bank of America. Uh, at Bank of America, I helped them build out their cyber investigation program and became a business security officer. Um, then I went to work for Robin at BlackBerry. Um, we had a good time there. Lots to do. Lots, Lots to do. guys, <laughs> keeping us busy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from BlackBerry, I went to FIS uh, Global to be a Deputy Chief Information Security Officer. And then uh, MasterCard wanted to know if I wanted to be the Chief Security Officer of MasterCard. So um, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and you're having a lot of fun, right? Yeah, doing a lot of good stuff. Good. You know, that's that's the beauty of security roles. It's the, never a boring day. Um, in this role. So let's talk a little bit about that. So we look at the fintech and financial services industry over the last year. It's been predominantly transformed. Uh, <laughs> a lot of changes, very, very rapid. So what changes, Ron, have you seen over the last year that have really kind of uh, accelerated, um, you know, technological growth or, or been a challenge for security practitioners? Well, uh, 2020 was a very interesting year, right? I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, listen, some of the challenges that arose from the whole uh, pandemic uh, response um, required, you know, lots of changes in the technology that we use every day with our teams. You know, it, you know, before COVID, everybody would get in the room and have their little meeting and uh, they would print their papers and pass them around and uh, just a lot of in in person, a lot of personal stuff that would happen. Uh, in uh, the buildings that we we're in. Uh, and then very quickly we had to pivot with, instead of securing core centers, we're now having to secure everyone not being uh, in the center. Um, and so it was a challenge, it's a challenge for both the security officer and also the, uh, like the CIOs, uh, you know, the, just now instead of all of the uh, people being at the center where I have the network set up for them, they're now all coming in. And not only are they coming in uh, from their house, but all of their kids are using the house <laughs> network and all of the neighbors are using the network. So, so um, you know, capacity for information to be delivered, uh, it was a challenge that we had to overcome. And then 
now now we're securing things uh, out at the house, and so people need to print stuff. So we have to change the our some of our settings. Um, dragging everything into the center to get the security technology treatment. That's just a lot of wasted capacity. So now we got to push the secure more of our network security back out to where the devices are. Uh, so I think not, not only did we experience that, I know a lot of uh, organizations experience that, you know, it, it's just, you spend so much time protecting the center that whole uh, now reversing and going out decentralized that caused, you know, just making sure you have the right uh, technology available on the devices and available in the cloud. You're you're also depending more on your cloud service partners and and suppliers in this environment. If you were already that way, that's great. But if you weren't that way, it's a real transition moment for you. Yeah, Robin, what have you seen? Well, we're having to do the same thing. So I'm on four boards. One's a bank board. And one's insurance and another one's investment and another one's uh, like a retirement uh, capability. What I've got is every one of them had the same thing. They've got to secure the data at the endpoint. Endpoint being anywhere. It could be in the coffee shop, it could be in the person's car, it could be at the house. Their kids working on the machine, they're working on the same machine. Um, and so trying to understand how do you not only secure that endpoint, but track and trace what's happened at that endpoint uh, becomes extremely hard. And the compliance becomes harder because then you're having to prove that you can track and trace or that you can prove or do forensics on those endpoints. You know, some of your employees have roommates. Um, you don't know what those roommates in the, in the apartment do when the individual gets up from their desk or their laptop. Uh, and you just, you have to think about security at the endpoint and not in the central hub of the company anymore. So our corporate walls don't exist anymore. It, the corporate walls are wherever the data goes. And we have to figure out new technologies that ride along with the data um, that help the data, you know, our data become intelligent, um, only be opened if it's identified to the individual on the other end making sure nobody can read my data if I don't want them to read it. So it's a, it's a whole new way of thinking about work or play. I think we were going down this path already. Um, instead of it being an evolution, COVID has made it a revolution. <laughs> so it's kind of made it go a lot faster. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people are really um, have stepped up to the challenge and really surprised how fast a lot of these companies have stepped up to the challenge to enable things. Isn't it amazing how just one thing can just bring about so much change and kill so many barriers almost simultaneously, like all of a sudden, you know, money's there for stuff that it wasn't there for before. And you know, cloud adoption becomes primary concern. There was a point last year where uh, I remember um, uh, Brett from Microsoft had, had had a post that said Microsoft ran out of storage space. They ran out of uh, shelves in Azure in Europe. They had like they couldn't onboard anyone into their uh, Azure environment in Europe for a few for a few months. I think it was until they got more equipment. But it's also kind of highlighted the challenges of our supply chain, right? And I think that's been that's been a really, really interesting shift because there was a point in time last year where we couldn't get a laptop. 
Yes, silicon has been an interesting, and the chip space has been very interesting. Sometimes I always wonder, you know, we've got to go step back and look at all those control points. But I even think COVID highlighted how globally dependent we are on things within that supply chain. And in some cases where it may make sense for us as a nation to go back and look at things that we need to make sure that we can be sustainable in the event that, that supply chain is disrupted, that our critical capabilities can stay intact. It's, it's amazing the, the thing that, like, cause you think about a lot of the big uh, resources and needs that you have, but when this happened, it's the little thing that is actually, there's this little thing and we need a lot of those and now we can't get them. What do we do now? We got to react to, uh, to this emergency, just like toilet paper, right? So- Yeah, I was going to go down the toilet paper route. Yeah, but, but I still don't know. I still, I haven't yet understood the thing about toilet paper, right? Like what were people thinking? Like we're going to run out of a supply of toilet paper? I mean, we- you got me to thinking. What is caused the crisis time that didn't need to be paper. there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Humans caused a crisis that didn't need to be there. It's 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 um it's absolutely fascinating. But I don't want us to really focus on COVID here. We've got a few more minutes for sure. this specific audience, and then for everyone who's listening or watching, you're gonna have to go to atpcyberfintech.com to watch the rest of this. I'm sorry, I know I've already gotten hate mail for Sam's uh podcast last week. People are like, seriously, I have to wait a week for this. This is worse. Like people are so used to binge watching now. And like just binging stuff that when you give them like a small taste, you, I got hate mail. It's the first time in two, for almost three years of doing the show, I've gotten hate mail, like over publishing half a podcast. It's like it's like a cliffhanger from those old serial movies. Right. I love it. I, I like cliffhangers. Like, you know, I enjoy it. It gives me something to look forward to, right? It, it does. It absolutely does. So one last kind of taste here before we move on to our more uh, a concrete and in-depth chat though, is if you looked over the, if, if you, if you were to look at, you know, the, the industry as, as practitioners a year ago, let's say February of 2020, and now we're April, 2021, what's one thing you say you, you said has changed for the better? Um, for, for me, I think um, like the, one of the things that's changed for the better in the security space now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is um, just the, uh, depends on who you are, if this is a good thing, uh, just the <laughs> ramp up that, uh, you know, the, the technologies that's, that are available to us to get in greater uh, detail or tune on what our users uh, are doing with our data at any given time. I think the, uh, control set uh, has advanced a lot and it's given our teams a uh, much greater ability to understand, you know, at, at any moment, what those individuals are doing with our platforms and our systems and are they doing things that we should be concerned about. Robin? And, and, and when I think about it, you know, I've seen a lot of people take this year, this past year, kind of really focusing in on what they were working on. Uh, because now they're not distracted with travel. Uh, they have to kind of stay home and figure out how to entertain themselves around the house. I've seen so many home projects. It's unbelievable how DIY has really 
gone out in the space, but it's also made them think a lot more around the security parameters of what they're doing at home and their own personal identity and how they're securing their identity when they're purchasing things on, on the web to be brought home. And it just, I think uh, it's, it's spun up a whole new level of technology wanting to make things easier for the user, but at the same time ensuring their safety, security, and privacy. I will say one thing, and this is coming from a, from a team perspective, because you guys both brought up great points. I think the one thing that's gotten better is because people are working from home, they're invested more in learning more things. So like every single person that's on my team now has like so many more skills. Like everyone's got like three more certs, everyone. Like this guy's went out and studied Azure and these guys went out and studied AWS and someone went and got their CISM and CISSP. And like there's the, there's this whole new prevalence of knowledge within our teams now that I think that's that's kind of like the human factor to me because that's like the underlying, like we can look at the company as a whole, but just watching team, like watching my my team come to me and go like, James, man, I finished the AWS security stuff and I really want to get involved in our cloud projects. I'm like, go. Here you go. You're hungry. You learned it. You want to be a part of it? Go. If you're good, we'll keep you. Like, go. It's great. I love it. So for those watching um, on YouTube right now, you're going to hate me. I'm sorry. I'm sure you want to continue this. The link below in the show notes will take you to the ATP Cyber FinTech website. Your virtual passes are free. Robin and I were kind enough to not charge you any money to watch the rest of this, but you'll have to tune in Wednesday, April 27th for the whole conversation. For the live event. For the live event where we're going to have a lot of very, very uh, uh, cool things going on. If you're in the Atlanta area, Tennessee, Northern Florida, South or North Carolina, we won't hold it against you that you're not in Georgia, but you can still come on down. Right. And we'll still love to have you in person. Just reach out to me or Robin and we'll get you. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a breach simulation. We've got a lot of fun things happening that day. Yes, we do. We have about. I didn't get the drones that are going to come in and fly, but uh, maybe next time we'll do a drone race. Well, you know, Cyber Week, uh, Georgia in September, we'll do a drone race and we'll have a lot of really cool folks there. So, folks, uh, again, atpcyberfintech.com for the rest of this podcast and today's show. That's where you'll get it. Again, atpcyberfintech.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.